for Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, after a period of declining activity, the Albany Hospital in the middle of Georgia's biggest COVID-19 hotspot saw an increase in new cases last week. We were typically running uh, two, three, four patients a day needing to be admitted. Uh, at the end of last week, we saw five, six, seven, eight uh, that needed to be admitted. Scott Steiner, CEO of Phoebe Putney Memorial Hospital, joins me to discuss what he thinks is behind this rise in cases and how his hospital is watching for a potential second surge in COVID-19 patients. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Southwest Georgia has been hit harder by the coronavirus than any other part of the state, at least up to now. And much of that care burden has fallen on Phoebe Putney Memorial Hospital in Albany. More than 90 patients have died there from complications from COVID-19. And after a number of days with a declining caseload, this week has brought a bump in the number of people the hospital has been treating with the disease. Here to discuss that and what the hospital has learned so far during this pandemic is Scott Steiner. He is the president and CEO of Phoebe Putney Health Systems. Hi, Scott. Thanks for talking with me. Sam, uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, continue to talk about uh what we've got going on in Southwest Georgia and how we're taking great care of our communities. To get us started, you've reported this spike in cases. Talk with me a little bit about what you're seeing and why you think you're seeing it. Yeah. So, you know, what I'd love to be able to tell you is we've got a lot of uh, firm answers. Uh, since this pandemic started, it's day by day. We're, every day we learn something new. There's often talk about super spreaders when it comes to the coronavirus, and we really think that there's, more importantly, super spreader events. And so for us, we knew Mother's Day, uh, which is about uh, nine days ago, and the upcoming Memorial Day would be the two opportunities where the shelter in place has been lifted uh, for most of the population, people not wearing face masks like they had been. So we knew those two events could be those super spreader events, and people are becoming, uh, you know, they could be uh, uh, contagious two to 14 days post-infection, uh, but typically three to five to six days is when people start showing signs and symptoms. And so we knew for Mother's Day it was the end of last week. We did notice Friday and Saturday uh, that we did have a slight increase in the number of 
patients coming to the hospital that needed to be admitted because of their COVID symptoms. We were, we were typically running, uh, two, three, four patients a day needing to be admitted. Uh, at the end of last week, we saw five, six, seven, eight, uh, that needed to be admitted. So it's a complex situation, uh, but we have seen a small spike, uh, at the end of the la- at the end of last week. We're about a week and a half out from Mother's Day, uh, but we're also a number of weeks out from the state of Georgia opening up. Do you think you can attribute it to one of these events like a holiday or maybe you're just seeing the effects of the more general opening of of the state? You know, you just can't. I'd love to be able to tell uh, you and, and other people this is exactly where you got it. This is who you picked it up from. You can't tell that. But what we have seen since the restrictions have been removed uh, by the governor, we have not seen an uptick. Conversely, we've seen a decrease, a plateauing, a decrease again, a plateauing again. So we haven't seen our admissions spike back up because of the re- what we would contribute to the reopening of hair salons or, or restaurants. But that I can also tell you that's not where people picked it up from. We'd have to have some sophisticated contact tracing to do those things. Not to certainly diminish the effect of a holiday or one of these super spreader events. I mean, the general sense right now is that the real start of this whole problem in southwest Georgia was a, a two large funerals. So one of these events can really have a large impact on a, on a community for, for a long period of time. It can be the perfect storm. There was a, uh, a church uh, here in Georgia that opened up. They had a number of their congregants uh, become uh, positive, and so they closed services back down. You, I think we're going to continue to see those things. It, it, to me, again, it's that super spreader event. But, you know, that's not to say you, everybody's pumped their gas. Who pumped their gas right before you, you know, and, and what's on that handle? It's absolutely in our community, and we're going to have to figure out how we live with this. You know, just as we do influenza and other things, what is our new normal? How do we survive with this? Because it's not going to be zero anytime soon, maybe until we get a vaccine. So how do we live with this in a way that uh, is manageable and is sustainable? What are the leading indicators that that you and your staff are are watching for uh, that will give you a signal that there is a, a potential second surge coming? Yeah, well, we have to have accurate rapid testing. And unfortunately, there's very few out there. The federal uh, government was talking about the the Abbott testing. The Abbott had this fantastic test that was coming out. We don't have the Abbott test, but many others do. You know, it's not so fabulous. Um, I think the sensitivity rate is 60 to 70 percent. That means 30 30 percent of everybody takes the Abbott test. It's wrong. And there was one study, um, I understand, that, that showed that up to 50% of the results that returned were false negatives. That you might as well not even test. Right? I can't do anything with that, I would tell you. So for us, we're paying attention to the data. That's why the rapid testing is so important. If we have that, we can pay attention to the data. We can really watch for peaks. We're assembling. Uh, the state is putting out a team to do tracing. I would tell you we've had a number of volunteer nurses, nurses that have retired in our community that said, hey, we want to be part of a tracing team. We're going to, we're going to do our own, uh, our own education, our own training to see if we can come up with a team of contact tracers that maybe if we have a second surge, we can put this group together uh, and get them up and running very quickly, possibly in partnership with the Department of Public Health. We need to be more responsive. You know, hospitals are reactionary. Right, You have chest pain, you come to the hospital. You're in an accident, you come to the hospital. 
we, we've got to flip that model. We have to be more proactive, and we have to be able to go out and partner when possible uh, with public health or, or others. But we also know there's a lot of pressure. Public health doesn't have the, the number of tracers that they need. But it all starts with those numbers, Sam. If we don't have good data, reliable data, we will absolutely, we're, we're set up to repeat this. You mentioned hospitals being reactionary, but a big part of what public health does, say, for the flu is track uh, instances of influenza-like illness, otherwise known as ILI. Do you have any sense of maybe what your hospital is doing um, for COVID, potentially tracking people with COVID-like illness? What kind of early surveillance of CLI, COVID-like illness, are are y'all doing alone in partnership with DPH? Well, we've certainly been in touch with DPH for the last two weeks. We have done our own surveillance on any admitted patient who has a positive test to say, what what are the commonalities, right? Is it where they work? Is it where they live? What is it? So we can be more proactive. We want it to be in partnership with DPH. Uh, It's just DPH is trying to get their hands around this entire state. And, you know, we're hopeful that we will have that partnership and that we can can be more proactive in the future because the hospitals absolutely, uh, Phoebe Putney, and I know the hospital community is absolutely willing to invest and to make this part of our new normal uh, because it absolutely has to be. And we think of the new normal as a new better normal. There's a little uncertainty on your part on whether the state will be able to match the investment that you're prepared to make in this surveillance. You know, I'd say today uh, they're challenged. They're being pulled in a million different directions. So while Phoebe Putney has a great idea, we feel like, hey, can you deputize? If we can get 40 retired nurses together and we can train them uh, on how to contact trace, uh, would you deputize them? So they can get on the phone and they can start asking questions about, can you tell me where you were yesterday? Can you tell me exactly what stores you went to? We can't ask those questions. That's a violation of, of folks' rights. But DPH can. So that's the, when I say partnership, that's the partnership. We're, we're willing to get this group together. We're willing to train them, invest in them, because uh, we don't want this repeated. Speaking of of investment, Phoebe Putney has received more than $52 million in federal money. This is uh, money from the CARES Act. Some of this is just going to to all hospitals. Some of it is going to hospitals like yours that that have treated a lot of COVID patients. So talk to me a little bit about what you plan to spend that money on. Is it filling holes in your budget that, say, might have existed from ramping down on elective surgeries? Is it covering the cost of, of patients you've already cared for? Or, or is it money that's potentially going to go to preparations if you find yourself in, in the same position again? Sam, it's all of the above. Um, we did, we've received a little bit more than, than $50 million. And I would tell you in the month of April, we lost uh, almost $18 million. So it, is it to pay for supply expenses and, you know, purchasing surgical masks for a dollar each when normally they're 4.8 cents? Absolutely. Uh, We had to get that on board. We had to keep our team safe. We had 52,000 hours of overtime uh, since this started. Is it for the response that we've had so far, supplies and people? Yes. Is it uh, to to make up for lost revenue because we haven't been doing elective surgeries? Yes. We haven't laid off. We haven't furloughed a single person. uh, And it's it's to pay. It's also assist with that lost revenue from from outpatient, uh, the loss of outpatient procedures. And is it carrying us forward as we think about a second surge and how we can be better prepared? 
Absolutely. We're looking at uh, technology and, and how we take temperatures at the door as opposed to having a person stand there. There's technology that can do that. Stockpiling supplies. One thing that the last 70 days has taught us is don't count on somebody sending you supplies. We have to make sure we've got what we need. So it, it, it will have helped us survive and it have helped us not make other draconian moves, whether it be furloughing people, laying people off, maybe not having some of the supplies and equipment that we need to to care for the people of southwest Georgia. Your hospital has been receiving and caring for patients from a number of different outlying counties surrounding uh, Doherty, where, where, where Albany is. I wonder what you have thought about what that says about kind of the, the state of rural health care here in Georgia, that you, uh, a hospital, have had to take on the care burden from a number of other surrounding counties without the health care resources in those counties for people to receive care there. What do you what do you make of that? We serve a 41 county area. So we know about rural health care. This has put a, a big strain on the entire uh, healthcare uh, industry. You would think we were so busy that times would be good, but it's not the best kind of busy that we need. And for the rural healthcare, for rural hospitals, it has severely strained those organizations who they have a predictive model. They have 15 or 20 patients that come into the emergency room, and out of that, one or two are going to be need to be admitted, and 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 they can't take anything that's you know maybe many of them don't do surgeries, many of them don't do a higher level of care, so. They then transfer to an organization like Phoebe where we're doing that higher level of care. It has strained and stressed the system. I, we hope that, that it, it doesn't break it, for, especially from a rural health care standpoint. But I can tell you a lot of these rural hospitals, without some of the federal dollars that came uh, through that CARES Act, they would absolutely be shuttered today. They were already on 5, 10, 15 days of cash uh, on hand uh, and uh, that that was a, a good infusion uh, for them, but you know, like like other businesses, that only lasts for so long. Uh, and and we're all hopeful that you know we'll we'll be returned back to this new normal, and uh, and they can figure those finances out. But the healthcare system is is uh, this has been a test for it. You know, we're going to have to see. Like the virus, we don't know everything and uh, about that virus. It'll take us years to research it. And I think same with the healthcare system. Some will not survive this. There will be some some hospital deaths. What is kind of your uh, memory of what things were like at your hospital, really, when things were the worst? Um, And what is your um, kind of feeling about potentially being back in that place if, if we do have another surge? It was the week before Easter. And I was watching uh, in the ICU, they have clear doors, and every patient in the unit in this ICU, and remember we had went from three ICUs to five ICUs, four of them being all COVID patients. I was watching a team of seven people trying to flip a patient over uh, who was on a ventilator, and uh, they put them in a prone position because they feel like it's better for the lungs not to always be in the same position. And this patient was obese, and I was just stunned at what it took to flip a patient uh, on their stomach. And so they came out and they were sweating and that was the seventh patient that they had done. And you could see they were exhausted just physically and and probably more so mentally. And they said, hey, we're getting ready to extubate this other patient. She's been here for, I think it was four weeks. And she was one of our first one that was vented, vented, but she's ready to come off the vent. Do you want to see it? And so I said, boy, I'd love to. And 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 I watched this this elderly woman be extubated when they take that out, that that two body or throat and 
and uh, how happy she was. Her, her chaplain walked into the room, got her family on an iPad so her family could see her, and, and uh, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. These doctors, these nurses, they needed that one shred of hope. Um, because all they had been seen to that point was death and illness, and that, that's what stuck with, that has stuck with me more than anything else. Scott Steiner is CEO of Phoebe Putney Memorial Hospital in Albany, Georgia. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us with questions, comments, or controversy at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WABE yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wabe.org slash donate and become a member right now. And thank you.